Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. The Poor Knight, a fantasy musical podcast suitable for all ages, brought to you by Fool and Scholar Productions. Follow Nathaniel the Poor Knight and the friends he meets along his journey as he's bitten by a wereman and must break the curse before the full moon. Listen to The Poor Knight wherever you get your podcasts or learn more at foolandscholar.com. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This Shaggy Dog Tales Story Club members is one of my all-time favorites and never fails to make my skin crawl. It's one I call Rex the Ghost Dog. So you've heard all about the ghosts of people who return to a place after physical death. If you haven't, then you aren't tuning in enough to Ivy's chilling tales. But what about an animal? Many people believe, or have witnessed, that like people, animals can become ghosts too. Some have claimed that beloved pets, after being long dead, have returned home in spirit form. I covered Sally Ann Jarrett, the ghost dog that haunts Gettysburg, but this is an entirely different kind of haunting. That's right, devoted listeners. This dog haunting occurred during the early part of the 20th century. It happened in a place known as Sunnybank, an estate in New Jersey that was the home of Albert Payson Terhune, a famous author of dog stories. Mr. Terhune was a great dog lover. He adored collies, but his favorite pet was a crossbreed named Rex, who was completely and totally devoted to the writer. Rex was a large dog, the size of a Great Dane, with a light brown coat and an angry-looking scar across his forehead. The scar made Rex appear more ferocious than he really was. Although Rex felt it was his duty to bark at every guest who crossed the threshold of Mr. Terhune's home, most of the time he could be found curled up at the author's feet. From his resting spot, Rex would look up at his master's face as he sat at the typewriter in his study, crafting another best-selling canine tale. You can see why Rex was Mr. Terhune's favorite doggo, right? Good ol' Rex. And then, tragedy struck. In March 1916, Rex was killed in an accident. Greatly saddened at the loss of his beloved and devoted pet, Mr. Terhune wrote the story, Lad, a Dog, as a tribute to the memory of his sweet pupper, Rex. About a year after Rex's death, a longtime friend of Mr. Terhune, Reverend Appleton Grannis, paid a visit to Sunnybank. Mr. Grannis had not visited his friend's home in many years. After a stroll around the estate and a pleasant afternoon meal, Mr. Grannis remarked to Mr. Terhune, I thought, Bert, that you only fancied collies. Yes, Mr. Terhune replied. In fact, all the dogs in my home are collies. But what about that dog that stood all afternoon on the porch looking in through the window at you? The reverend said. The dog with the short light brown coat with a nasty peculiar scar on his forehead. What's his name? 
Terhu knew that was the description of his old friend Rex, but how could that be? Did Mr. Grannis see Rex's ghost? I don't know, Mr. Terhun finally answered. The appearance of the strange dog remained a mystery. In the autumn of 1918, Henry A. Healy, a businessman who was interested in crossbreeding dogs, visited Mr. Terhune. On an early trip to Sunnybank, Mr. Healy had been impressed with Rex and knew how devoted he was to his master. What Healy didn't know, however, was that Rex passed away on that fateful day in the spring of 1916. After dinner, and long hours spent by talking by the fireside, Mr. Healy got ready to say goodnight. Just before leaving, he sighed wistfully and said, Bert, I wish there was some creature on Earth that adored me as much as Rex does you. I watched him all evening. He laid there at your feet the whole time, looking up at your face. Needless to say, Mr. Terhune was shocked by his guest's comments. Good heavens! He exclaimed. Rex has been dead now for over two years. Mr. Healy, however, stood by what he saw, saying, I can swear that he was lying at your feet all evening, just as I've seen him do since he was a puppy. Mr. Terhune pondered his friend's words. A collie named Bruce was the only dog Terhune never allowed in his study. After Rex died, Bruce never even stepped on the patch of floor where Rex used to lie. Bruce would always walk around Rex's spot on the floor, as if to avoid something invisible that was laying there. Could Rex's ghost have been lying at his master's feet, just as he did when he was alive? Mr. Terhune was skeptical of ghosts, human or otherwise. Yet, two of his most level-headed friends claimed they saw Rex two years after his death. Did the ghost of Rex walk the halls and sleep on the floors of Sunnybank? Neither Mr. Terhune nor anyone else could be sure. Wasn't that an eerie little dog tale, devoted listeners? My toy poodle Spike loves me, but I'm not sure if he's gonna lay at my feet and stare up at me lovingly as I stuff my face with Cool Ranch Doritos and binge watch Netflix. If I know my little Spike, he's more likely to be looking up lovingly at the Doritos. One thing I did notice was that both Sally and Rex, even after their untimely deaths, still stayed devoted to the people who raised them. Dogs are well known for their loyalty to humans, but carrying that commitment over into the afterlife is some serious devotion. Now I want to go hug my dog. Maybe you should hug yours too, if you have one. Aww. Hello there, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This eerie tale, Story Club members, might put you off watermelon for a while. It's one I call Nightmare. We shouldn't do that, Mel. Are you kidding? It'll be fun. Katie Higgins wasn't sure about her friend Melanie Walter's idea of fun. Stealing watermelons in the dead of night? Come on, really? Katie had invited Mel over for a sleepover. Since it was late July with warm nights, they pitched a tent in the backyard and put sleeping bags in it with plenty of snacks. They even had a fire pit to roast marshmallows and make s'mores with. It was like domestic camping. Neither one of them was tired, and after they were done talking about everyone in school and playing with their phones, Mel wanted to do something more daring. She'd seen a you pick em sign in the field next to Katie's house as her mom was driving up. Seriously, let's go nab some watermelons. They are my favorite. But that would be stealing from Mr. Danvers. Technically, yes, but he has a whole field of the darn things. I doubt he'd miss, too. But what about that legend? Katie said nervously. What legend? Well, I guess it was about a hundred years ago. 
there was this big old plow horse named Hilda. She was one of those huge Clydesdales pulling that big red wagon you sometimes see in those TV beer commercials. She worked the land for Mr. Danvers' great-great-grandfather. The mare was devoted to the entire family, working through rain, sleet, and shine day and night. Then, this one time, Hilda stomped on a couple of rattlesnakes before they bit the farmer as he was walking up to them. This was when the mare was pretty old. She killed the snakes, but unfortunately, the old girl got bit herself and passed away from the venom. Since then, her ghost has been seen roaming the fields. There've been stories of trespassers being almost scared to death by a huge black horse with fiery eyes materializing from the mist and trying to run them down. Other people have heard a horse neighing or snorting when there's no other horses around. They've even smelled phantom horse droppings, and there isn't any livestock around for miles. Many have called her the Nightmare. Mel laughed. Phantom horse droppings? Seriously, Katie? It's not a joke. Since I was a little kid, my parents told me never to wander out to Mr. Danvers' property uninvited or Hilda would get me. You've probably also heard of the Boogeyman, right? The stories that parents tell their kids so they're good and scared and won't do anything bad? You are aware of this parental psychological phenomenon, right? Of course, but Hilda isn't a scary story. She's real. Um, Hilda isn't real because ghosts aren't real. I bet the Danvers family made up that story for two reasons. One, to keep gullible people off their property. And two, to sell more watermelons. Who doesn't want to visit a haunted fruit field and possibly see a ghost? Hey, I'm not gullible, and I don't know if I believe in ghosts, but I do believe there's some truth to the Hilda legend. Katie was feeling defensive. Why couldn't Mel just leave well enough alone? See, you messed yourself up right there. Mel pressed on. You said legend. Now let's be legends and go get us a couple of juicy, plump watermelons. We can eat them right by the fire. The fruits of our labor, am I right? I don't know. Come on, scaredy cat. It'll literally take us 20 minutes tops. They wandered out of Katie's yard, through a grove of locust trees, and then climbed through the barbed wire fence that surrounded the Danvers field. They used their phone flashlights to search around the leafy vines where the watermelons lay. They found some, but many weren't quite ripe yet. As they searched, a low fog had crept in along the wet and muddy field. I'm guessing most of the ripe ones have been picked already, Katie said. Well, keep looking. I'm not gonna leave without a couple of luscious melons. She picked one up. Hey, get a picture of me. Um, I'm not gonna do that, because you're gonna post it on Instagram and people are gonna know we were out here, which is kinda not the point. I won't post it, I swear. Pinky swear? Katie said, holding out her pinky finger. Pinky swear. Mel held out her finger and interlocked it with Katie's. They shook. Now take the picture, I am ready for my close-up. Mel held out the melon, which was about the size of a football. She made all kinds of crazy faces as Katie snapped off some pictures. She laughed. Her friend, Mel, who was a pain in the butt sometimes, could definitely make her laugh. Then, Katie wasn't laughing anymore. What? Katie pointed. Look. The ground fog swirled in the field, and then slowly turned into the shape of a horse. A large horse. Two eyes the color of fire lit up in the smoky skull of the mare. It's Hilda! Run! Katie said, shambling toward the fence line. Mel tucked her trophy watermelon next to her like a football running back and sprinted after Katie. Katie's feet became entangled in the vines, and then she tripped. Mel, right behind her, fell on her friend. They were muddy and scared. The nightmare snorted and came tromping after them. The scream of the horse echoed through the field. It sent chills down Katie's spine. She'd never been so scared in her entire life. 
She got up and ran for it, but she didn't get too far when she realized her friend wasn't behind her. Mel was limping across the field. The ghost mare was almost upon her. Would the horse trounce Mel to the ground like she did those rattlesnakes a century ago? Katie ran back for Mel. Come on, hurry! She carried her hurt friend across the field. The ghostly horse was so close to them now, they could feel the icy snorts from the mare's nose down the backs of their necks. I'm just slowing you down, Mel said. Just go. This was my idea anyway. Friends don't leave friends behind. Now shut up. Katie gave it her all as she managed to get to the fence line. She helped Mel through. Then, as Mel was helping Katie through the wire, the mare was upon her. Katie vanished into the mist, screaming. Katie, no! Mel sat in the grass and cried. What had she done? If she'd only listened to the stories of the nightmare named Hilda, if only she had heeded the warnings. Now, her friend was gone. Poor Katie. Mel waited there all night, too afraid to move, looking for any sign of her missing friend. Then, in the steely gray hours of morning, Katie limped across the watermelon field, bruised, dirty, and battered, but alive, carrying something in her hand. When Katie crossed the fence, she dropped the rotten watermelon she had onto Mel's head. Next time, we just pay for the stupid watermelons like normal people, okay? So there you go, devoted listeners. Never steal from other people. And especially don't do it when there's ghosts around, human or animal. Kinda just a bad idea in general. I was about to sip this watermelon-flavored seltzer water in the fridge, but now I think I'm gonna go for the blood orange one instead. <laughs> Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you. And the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello there, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is yet again another chilling tale. This haunted techie tale, Story Club members, might make you go offline for a long time. It's one I call The Ghost Inside. Sage Straub pulled her new laptop out of her backpack. She couldn't believe the deal she'd gotten on it. She almost felt sorry for the guy who had sold it to her outside of school. Almost. The laptop looked brand new, and it was a major brand. Sage had bought it for $175, which was a 90% markdown compared to the normal price. She really could not believe her luck. Not that Sage was that lucky. Every kid in her fifth grade class had their own computer, it seemed. They all posted what they did on Classbook, a school app, every day. Sage never had a computer before. She didn't even have a smartphone. She'd asked for one forever from her parents, but they just told her to use the computer lab at school, which wouldn't cost a penny. After Sage saved her money from a few birthdays, she was gonna buy a top-of-the-line laptop and phone, and she was prepared to pay the price. 
But then this guy wearing a ragged overcoat showed up outside school wanting $200 for the computer. Sage was pretty sure the laptop was stolen and the guy was trying to sell it for some quick cash. So she talked the desperate guy down to $175, then they walked to the ATM machine together. That had made her a little nervous. The guy looked sick and had yellow fingers. There was grime under his long nails. Sage did not want to touch the raggedy man's hand when she gave him the money. But as soon as she handed him the cash, he vanished, and she had her new laptop. Sage took some alcohol wipes and wiped down her new machine. The shaggy-faced guy had opened the laptop, demonstrating that it worked by typing on the keys and then connecting to the Wi-Fi. Sage connected to the internet, leeching off her next-door neighbor's Wi-Fi, and signed up for a classbook page. She then did a search and found a few of her classmates. She sent a friend request to each of the ones she liked and a few she wanted to impress, particularly Tommy Burns, who was the cutest boy in school. To her surprise, he accepted her friend request. Then she posted on her wall that she needed a picture of herself. Currently, it was just a generic gray silhouette where a photo should go. She would fix that at once. Sage clicked on the laptop's photo application and instantly found herself facing a mirror-like picture of herself on the computer screen. She hit the camera icon, and the computer, with a tiny little lens eye above the screen, snapped a smiling image. Click. The first and only shot was perfect. Sage saved it as her default profile picture. A minute later, Sage received a like from Tommy. Yes. Then she noticed it. Over her left shoulder in the background of her photo, it looked like the tips of outstretched fingers reaching into the frame. There was nothing like that behind Sage. She was sitting in front of a wall with faded white wallpaper. Now Sage was mad. Maybe that ruggedy man sold her a piece of junk. Something was obscuring the lens of the camera. She took an alcohol wipe and rubbed at it. Sage changed her expression a bit, clicked on the photo app again, and snapped another picture. Click. This time, Sage looked at the image closer before posting it to her page. Yep, there it was again. White smudges behind her that looked like fingers. Fingers that appeared even longer this time. Sage moved out of the way of the lens and snapped another photo with the laptop camera. Click. She sat back down and studied the image. Just a photo of faded wallpaper. Huh. She deleted it. Maybe the camera wasn't broken. Could it have been some weird glare from the sun outside her bedroom window? Tommy commented that Sage should post some more pictures instead of just that one. Double yes. Sage opened up her closet and found a few different shirts. She'd try out a few looks, snap some pictures, and post the ones that made her appear the coolest. She sat down on her laptop and started snapping. Click, click, click. Changing her expression and shirt in each one. When Sage reviewed the pictures she snapped though, she felt sick. The white smudge was back, but it wasn't a smudge at all this time. It was a hand, clearly a hand. In the next photo, she could see an arm attached to the hand at the edge of the frame. It was poking out of a long-sleeved green and blue flannel shirt. In the next image, the arm grew longer and the hand closer to her. Then another hand appeared. The hand seemed to reach out towards Sage to... to what? Tap her on the shoulder? Sage clicked off one more photo without her in it. Again, only a faded papered wall was visible in the frame. No ghostly white hands, no sleeves of green flannel shirts. Hmm, ghostly. Where did this laptop come from anyway? The raggedy man who sold it to her had seemed awfully eager to get rid of it. 
She assumed the guy needed money to buy, well, whatever guys like that tend to buy. But maybe he'd been afraid of it. Maybe he'd been trying to get rid of it, to get away from it. A sudden chill flashed up Sage's spine. She opened a web browser and did an internet search, looking for a place around town that sold refurbished laptops. That's what the scruffy-faced guy with the long, oily coat had told her. It's as good as new, girl. It's a refurbished laptop. You just don't gotta pay the new price. No luck with that internet search. Then, she combined the search with flannel shirt plus laptop. She waded through a lot of retail sites, and then she came upon an interesting news article. Apparently, some woman who lived about 25 miles away in an old farmhouse had mysteriously died. She'd been suspected of numerous instances of foul play at the time of her death. Sage read, the woman, Edna Baines, lived alone with her two cats, always seen wearing the same green and blue flannel shirt. A laptop was found at the scene, and the police are checking it out. Sage peered at Edna Baines' obituary photo. Did that creepy dude hanging outside of her school somehow steal police evidence and then sell it? Sage had to know now. She opened the photo app again and clicked off a few more photos. Then, she looked down at the little postage stamp thumbnail shots and opened them. In each successive shot, click, 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 the image of a woman who looked like Edna Baines moved into frame behind her, her pale tarantula hands curled and reaching. They reached for Sage's throat, the fingertips inches away. Now Sage knew what she must do. She would take this laptop to the police. She would march right up the stone steps of City Hall, burst through the double oak doors, and place the stolen merchandise on the sheriff's paper-littered desk. Who knows, Sage wondered. Maybe there was a reward and a medal for her honesty and courage. Yeah, that's exactly what Sage would do. But her finger hovered over the mouse. What would happen if she clicked that button one last time? What would the picture reveal? Sage thought about it, her right index finger growing heavy like lead. No, she told herself. That's stupid. Why would you do that? Just to know? Who cares? Take it to the police. And then, Sage pressed the camera button one last time. Click. Why did you have to go there, Sage Straub? No. That's the biggest mistake in any scary story or movie. Don't check out the strange noise outside, don't split up from your friends, and don't click the mouse on the haunted computer. I had to cuddle up with my toy poodle Spike after hearing this story. Maybe Sage will learn that something that seems too good to be true, like an inexpensive computer sold by a shady character, usually is. At the same time, let's be honest. You can occasionally find an amazing deal if you happen to be in the right place at the right time. The best deal around is the brand new Go Kid Go subscription channel on Apple Podcasts. For just $4.99 a month, you get to listen to all the Go Kid Go shows like R.L. Stein Story Club, Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, Floosville, Story Train, and more totally ad-free. You also get exclusive merch discounts, access to subscriber-only podcasts, including the super popular family game show, and epic behind-the-scenes experiences. Who doesn't want to rub shoulders with legendary horror master R.L. Stein behind the scenes of Story Club from time to time, am I right? There's a whole world of fun, and just the right amount of fear waiting for all you deal hunters. Discover the VIP Go Kid Go experience if you dare by subscribing to the Go Kid Go channel on Apple Podcasts today. And of course, come back tomorrow for another episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member deserves a little scare every day. Ivy out! Thank you.
Go kid, go! Aren't adventurers supposed to have a specific purpose? What are you doing on this quest? Just meeting strangers? Yep, my purpose is to have no purpose. Though, I sort of find purpose as I go. My basket! It's missing! I have tried many means of defense, but none have yet proven successful. I just wish someone would succeed in getting that darn sword. I am under attack by this ruffian! I want to be big and strong and fight evil. I have hope that if you show up at her door, she might listen. Want to help me yell at them? With your sword? In a threatening manner? Sidequesting is a fantasy podcast about avoiding the main plot. It follows Ryan, an adventurer who's willing to help just about anyone out, as long as they're not being asked to deal with that scary wizard everyone keeps talking about. Subscribe today on your favorite podcast app.